So he was the greatest love machine. He actually, yeah, that, that, song, that part's true. The song, is, the song's starting to make a lot more sense now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so if you can picture it, you know, 18 years old, illiterate, you know, horny. Co- horny. <laughs> I, can't, I can't read, but I know how to fuck. <laughs> the amount of people I know like Rasputin is astonishing. Time to learn, time to laugh, it's... The Death Address. Hey everyone, thanks again for joining us for another episode of The Death Address. For this episode, I'll be here again, Dakota. And Ethan. What up guys, I'm Andy. Hey, it's Jordan, your host for the evening. And Tori! Woohoo! Tori's actually joining us for the first time for a death address, so it's a real special episode. It's not a special guest like last episode, but it's you know, it's kind of a special just guest like episode. like a scotch of special. I'm just kidding. It's a special guest, Tori, who might be a permanent guest. You know, if she decides. <laughs> She's not lazy <laughs> but, anymore. But yeah, I'll uh, I'll stop talking and let Jordan take over. Here we go. Okay. So, this one is over Rasputin. <laughs> which... Classic. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. He got up and walked away. It scared me for a second. I thought Onyx was doing something. I'm done with this already. Leave <laughs> the dog alone. <laughs> so, anyways, Rasputin. Exciting stuff going on here. I know him. Uh, yeah, a lot of people do know him. You know, I from know him. Anastasia. <laughs> Uh, that's where I really knew him from. That's really Is that where he's from? <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to go like most people know him from history, but you busted out Anastasia. Well, okay, so you grew I know up him from that song. Anastasia, and then, yeah, the, the popular Rasputin song. What's that song? Precious Greatest Love Machine. Dude, we did that on cue. That was perfect. Yeah, copyrighted, though. We didn't sing enough. We're good. Yeah. All right. So, anyways, I actually learned a lot of cool information about him, more than, I guess, what was in the song or the DreamWorks. I think it's DreamWorks. So, it turned out he wasn't the greatest love machine? Disney. What? No, Anastasia's not Disney. Yeah, I think it's Paramount or DreamWorks. I think it was DreamWorks. But, yeah, she's not technically a Disney princess. His story is crazier in history than it was in the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's (laughs) real crazy. So, we're going to start with some of his early life and then go through kind of what made him who he is and what made him take over essentially part of the Russian empire. And yeah, we'll go from there. Gang. So he said gang bang. Gang gang. gang, gang. <laughs> that's what the kids say. Gang gang. Yeah, yeah, let's get right into this gang bang. <laughs> kids are running around saying gang bang. What is this? <laughs> Hello, I'm here for the gang bang. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically just a general statement of what we're going to go over. He was really known as being the healer for the Romanovs. So Rasputin, uh, he was not only the healer for the Romanov family, the rulers in Russia at this time, but he was also, you know, a, a playboy. He was also supposedly a mystical deviant and Same. had nice. some dark magic stuff going on, which was cool. Now, a lot of this was... <laughs> He was, he, was the, he was the cool Fonz before the Fonz. <laughs> just smack shit and just like, eee. Yeah, yeah. And he, he really did have a lot of 
stories told about him, which probably 90% of them were untrue. A lot of it was just propaganda, which we'll kind of go over. But yeah, he, he had a lot of uh, a lot of pizzazz for for the time. I thought he was a bad guy. He he kind of is. In yeah. Anastasia, he is. Perspective. Yeah, it's all about perspective. Because some people will see him as a guy who really did what he needed to do to get power, which is you a you lot mean. of the people we've talked about right. in history. Right. Um, it is, you know, the villain's the hero of their yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. We've said that before in this show. It's true. It's <laughs> worth noting again. <laughs> so just to give you an idea of the time period, this was the late 19th century and early early 20th century. So really not as far back as I think a lot of people think. Um, he was born in 1869. And he actually, he was not born as Rasputin. He was born as Gregory Yefimovich. Grigory. 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 Okay. Don't Gregory. (laughs) That's that's my maintenance guy's name. Georgi. Oh, maybe that's. Well, it's it's definitely Gregory. It's Gregory. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's Gregory. It's one of those. Gray Corgi. But his last name was actually. Noivik, Noivik. There's a, a Y and a K in there. But he was originally born as Grigory Yefimovic Noivik Noivik. Yeah. I mean, he couldn't even say it himself. That's yeah, why he went there's by a Rasputin. Lot of, I haven't learned enough Russian to know which is silent. <laughs> That's why he changed to Rasputin. <laughs> it was just easier for everyone to say. He didn't have to keep correcting people. Yeah. So the the Gregory Yefimovic was kept, but the Noviak and Rasputin, those were kind of interchanged at some point. Um, So yeah, he was actually born a peasant. He had really, really little schooling, um, was illiterate almost up until his mid to uh, early to mid adulthood. Um, So he he didn't know a whole lot. He was just one of the, the common folk. And he was born in a small Western village in Siberia um, called Pokrovskoy. Pokrovskoy. Again, lots of silent letters I'm sure I'm missing. Um, But it was located on the Tura River. And it's kind of at the eastward area of the Ural Mountains, kind of where Europe meets Asia. So he was still kind of in the Western Hemisphere as far as like Europe and those kind of things. It wasn't kind of the Asian extra part of the world over on the side there, but um, he, he was born in Siberia. So it was very rural, not a whole lot of politics in that area at the time. It was rural at the Ural mountains. Yes. (laughs) Now um, the Rasputin name for a time was thought to have been added because Rasputin actually means um, licentious, which is kind of like debauched or promiscuous, um, nice. Yeah, that he was. Exactly. But some people actually think now, mostly historians, that Rasputin actually means where two rivers meet, which was a phrase that described where he was born in Siberia. Wow, was so, he misunderstood? Way yeah. less fun. So no, that's totally true though, because he really almost, like I said, eighty-five, ninety percent of what people think of him now probably wasn't true. So, um, yeah. Now, uh, there's a few records of his parents. Um, his father, Yefim, was a <laughs> farmer, and he actually was a church elder, too. Um, so there was a little bit of a religious background for him. 
And then he married uh, Rasputin's mom, Anna Parshakova, and they had seven kids. Nice. Now, of their seven kids, all of them died except for Rasputin. Or Gregory, that nice was a little preemptive. Yeah, and a lot of them, um, they think, died in early like infancy, childhood. Um, and there could have been a ninth child. So he was the eighth of, or actually, hold on. So were they alive when Rasputin was born, or were they all dead by the time? They were all dead. So they had, excuse me, they had seven other children before Rasputin. And they had all died of them died before they had. Yep, Rasputin. and then okay. they had Rasputin. Like, you fucking kidding? Me. <laughs> They're just the boy who lived. Yeah. Now there's supposedly a ninth child, Theodosia, Theodosia, <laughs> and supposedly he said that in that picture. Then they'd have a baby and they'd look at it like, not this one. <laughs> Next. I'm not laughing at that. <laughs> but anyways, back to the ninth child. Um, supposedly, Theodosia was close to Rasputin, but they really can't find any kind of record of her. And he was supposedly godfather to her children and all this kind of stuff. But she's never really been solidified as a sibling for him. That's it's sad. just it's just thought that she was She was, was just make-believe for yeah. him since everybody else was gone. Yeah. And they do say to take pretty much every story you hear about his childhood with a grain of salt. <laughs> um, they, one of the um, historians that I found said that his, his youth and early adulthood are a black hole that we know almost nothing about. So there's there's not a whole lot that's actually concrete about his. And that is how he died in Anastasia, right? He was sucked through a black hole. You know, yeah, actually, sure. there was there was little <laughs> sounds skin right. ripping and like his body. Ew. Do you remember that the part where no. it was like no? It's been a very long time off. since I've seen it. Ew. Yeah, and his bones disintegrate. But, you know, anyways. And I think that's this just a child's movie. Time out, time out, Andy. When was the last time you watched Anastasia? 14, 15 years ago. <laughs> exactly. You remember that. I will pull this up. It left an impression. I watched it a lot. In the dark <laughs> of the night, we will find you. <laughs> it really left an impression. <laughs> I mean, why was this a child's movie? <laughs> there, there's a lot. It was scary. Exactly. Yeah. But anyways, back to his, his um, childhood. So like I said, he didn't have a whole lot of schooling, never really learned how to read or write, remained illiterate all the way into his early adulthood. There was some stories about his youth and unruly behavior that came along with it. Um, Some people said that he had um, drinking charges, small thefts, just really didn't like the local authorities. Uh, but there was never any evidence of this. Some of the stories said that he like stole horses, um, some other major crimes when he was a young Is that man. Like people st- stealing cars today. Oh yeah, yeah. Stole horses. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah grand theft horse. Yeah, grand theft. You know, I found out a great grand ancestor horse. of mine <laughs> stole horses. Wait, did you? Really? <laughs> yeah, my great great grandfather stole horses. Like beat up his teacher and stole horses and oh, sold them in another town to right. set up in a new life. <laughs> my my grand grandpappy Richard Darby. <laughs> Not the other side, my mom's side. Oh. <laughs> well, anyways, um, so yeah, he he had a lot of these charges. There was a little bit in an archival record that he had an unruly youth, but it, it really, like I said, was just small thefts, drinking, nothing too crazy, no major crimes. But the other part of this was 
And again, take this with a grain of salt. (laughs) A lot of this is people just saying it after what happened, you know, during his adult life. But some say that he actually had mystical gifts. Um, He possessed some kind of supernatural power. Um, Some people said he was just really mean and he was extremely cruel. And they took that to be part of like the dark arts kind of mystical part of it. But um, yeah, there, there are some stories saying that he was mystically gifted as a child yeah um, i mean occultists are real things and that's yeah that's like what he was right so are wizards kind of yes wizards are also real he, things. W- he was actually more of a monk and we'll, we'll go into that here in just a sec he's a wizard but, okay. mystical holy man yeah holy yeah, man's a great way to say it but holy man get a lot yep. of holes now in. his his father was part of the clergy <laughs> he was a church elder or not part of the clergy he was a church elder um, so he did have some religious upbringing, but he really wasn't into that too much when he was a child. It wasn't until he actually visited a monastery. Um, he entered the Verkhotur Monastery in Russia when he was 18, and he fully intended to be a monk. Um, while he was there, though, I-, I will say he never became a monk. But while he was there, he was introduced to the Callisti sect, and that whole religion sect is basically, and and this is more his perverted ideals of, of, he took what their doctrine was and and kind of twisted it into his own thing. But he believed that you're nearest to God um, when you feel holy passionlessness. And the best way to reach that state was through (laughs) sexual exhaustion um, that came after prolonged sexual activity. So he was the greatest love machine. He actually, yeah, that, song, that part's true. The song is the song's starting to make a lot more sense now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so if you can picture it, you know, 18 years old, illiterate, you know, horny. Ca- horny. <laughs> I can't read, but I know how to fuck. <laughs> the amount of people I know like Rasputin is yeah. astonishing. It's, this you is know, amazing. Some it minor was- troubles with the law. You know, that was him going into this monastery. Um, so while he was there, he figured that, you know, it wasn't for him. I don't know why. Um, he, <laughs> he didn't finish uh, becoming a monk. He returned to... Um, his hometown Pokrovsko, Pokrovskoy, Pokrovsky, Pokrovskoy. Yeah, um, totally different than when he left. He actually came back even more disheveled, um, behaving differently. He did become a vegetarian, swore off alcohol, um, and he did pray and sing a lot more. But he he really came back more as a really dirty hippie. Hippie is, I guess, a good way to say transient. it. Like you're, yeah, transient is probably a better way to say it. Um, but yeah, he, he made some drastic life changes, but that whole horny sexual debauchery kind of state was still underneath the surface. Damn and, right. Yeah. And so in 1886, um, he did travel, and this was when he was 19, so just a year after he entered the, the monastery, he traveled to Abalak, Russia. Um, which was 250 kilometers northeast of him. Um, And he met, (laughs) I'm just ignoring you. (laughs) He met a a peasant girl named Praskova uh, Dubrovina. Sorry, I'm going to have to go slow when I pronounce these names. Um, They dated for a few months, and then they married in February of the following year. Um, So he did get married. He actually started a family. He had, I think, a total of five kids, but only three. I don't know. 
a total of seven kids, so actually following after his parents, but only three of them survived to adulthood. Um, Dimitri, Whoa. Maria, and Vivara. Did they murder all their children? It's. I think it was just a really bad have, time. Have you ever seen The Hunger Games? <laughs> oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I get that. Um, but, you know, he, he came back different from the monastery. He got married. He had some babies. Um, and he was working on his family's farm. So, you know, just imagine a world where rather than him going... And becoming one of the most hated men in Russia, he just stayed as a farmer. Russia's greatest farmer machine? Yeah. Russia's yeah. greatest farm so, machine, yeah. Yeah, lucky for the uh, musical world, he did not stay there. <laughs> he um, was not settled at all lucky, in marriage. <laughs> lucky, lucky for the musical world, he moved on from the farm. The, the rest of the world, maybe not so much. Uh, but in his early 20s, he figured that farming wasn't for him. He didn't really want to stay and raise babies and farm the rest of his life. Oh, same and though. He still had that <laughs> urge to go and like find his holy purpose. Mm. And oh, so he found lots of holy purposes. <laughs> lots of holes. Yep. Yep. Well, in about five years after he got married, around 1892, um, he left his family for a while, traveled to Greece, the Middle East, uh, making these pilgrimages, um, and basically just trying to show how religious and, you know, devoted he was to finding that peace that, you know, I guess the, the peace. Inner peace. Yeah, kind of the, the whole monk aspect of it. And um, while he was doing this, he was living off of other peasants' donations. And he actually gained a reputation for being able to heal the sick and predict the future. Shit. Um, he was so, Nostradamus too. Nice. Yeah, and he was a Jesus and right Nostradamus <laughs> and and the fucking that one guy. <laughs> so Don yeah. Juan. And he, Don, Don Don Juan. Juan. <laughs> <laughs> and he would leave his family for you know months, years at a time to go on these pilgrimages, and then he would come back, and then he would leave again. And uh, one of the reasons people think he actually did this was to escape his family, that he was kind of having an emotional, spiritual crisis, um, which most scholars think that was actually true. He just wasn't built for that kind of life and didn't want to be there. But others, and again, might not have a, you know, an ounce of truth to it, but think that he was trying to escape punishment for horse theft. So again, uh, <laughs> grand horse larceny, grand, grand theft horse. Grand theft horse. Grand theft grand theft horse. horse. That's what I was trying to think of. GTH. Um, yeah. So whatever the reasons, at this point he was, um, this was in 1897. So he was 28 years old. He'd been married for 10 years, had some kids. He was like, nope, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and leave. Um, so yeah. he did so wander around again. And by 1903, <laughs> um, which was, again, another six years later, he made his way to St. Petersburg. Now, at this point, he had gained a reputation as a mystic and a faith healer, self-proclaimed holy man. Um, he actually came to the nickname later as the Mad Monk. But again, he never took holy orders. That'd be a good movie um, title. And... Too. Yeah, he the, the whole time though I will say this, he still supported his wife. She still waited for him. Um Don't he ask. would send her money financially. Later on his daughters actually lived with him in St. Petersburg. Um so he he, he still has, was a family guy. Yeah, he, he had multiple personalities. Yeah. He, he comes back and forth like, "Oh, hey, good, I have like, time for you now." He has like the the good side and then the like bad boy side. Yeah. How, like I mean, he, if he had magical powers, he had to refuel them somehow. Oh. Refuel. Yeah. 
Just like eat a cheese stick and he'd be good to go. Refill, son. (laughs) Well, at this point, 1903, he's in St. Petersburg. And like I said, he he did gain a really good reputation as a mystic and faith healer. so at this point, when he gets to St. Petersburg, people have heard of who he is. They know that he is this crazy good fortune teller and can heal pretty much anybody. And he was welcomed by an actual inspector of the Religious Academy of St. Petersburg and a bishop. Um, so he was already into some pretty established circles by the time he got to St. Petersburg. And at the time, St. Petersburg was actually in this whole realm of entertaining themselves with mysticism and the occult. So when he walks in, he's this, you know, really hypnotic is how a lot of people described him personality and has these really, you know, crazy healing talents that are mystical and all these things. He was really, really welcomed He was like <laughs> in St. Petersburg. He's like Chris Angel mind freak. <laughs> Actually, kind of. He might be. <laughs> But he really rose to prominence during those times. Um, He was already integrated in the inner circle of St. Petersburg with some really high-ranking people. And at this point, he was able to meet and charm some of the extended relatives of the Romanov family, um, who were the rulers at the time. And he used those connections to get introduced to the um, Tsar and Tsarina at the time. Wait, does, does this take place in the Marvel Universe? Isn't Romanov the Black Widow's last name? Whoa. You know, maybe a few hundred years before her. Marvel Universe goes back <laughs> hundreds of years, babe. No. Now, Tsar um, Nicholas II and his wife, Alexandra Fyodorovna, um, were the current rulers. And they were seeking out somebody, actually, to cure their son, Alexei. And he was born with hemophilia, which is basically, if you don't know, your blood can't clot. Um, It's lacking some of the proper, uh, I think it's either a protein or it's um, hemoglobins that cause whenever you get like a cut or an internal like bruise, it keeps your blood um, from pooling inside and gets it clotted and, and basically stops your bleeding. And he had hemophilia, which prevents that. And... They were trying to find somebody who could heal him. The doctors at the time weren't doing anything. And part of that actually is because at the time, aspirin was kind of the big cure-all. So the doctors were like, here, we're just going to give you aspirin for everything, which aspirin is actually a blood (laughs) blood thinner. thinner. (laughs) Yeah. So the reason he was so sick and nobody could cure him is because all the doctors were giving him aspirin, which was a blood thinner and causing his, his symptoms to be worse. Idiot. So, medicine. Yeah. So here comes Rasputin, you know, this real stinky, disheveled mystic man. And he's made these connections with the Romanov family. And they're like, hey, well, can you take a look at our son and see if you can figure out how to heal him? So they they bring him in and he takes a look at him. And immediately he's like, don't let the doctors touch him. And they were like, well, what do you mean? You know, don't let the doctors touch him. He's like, yeah, just leave him alone. Keep the doctors away from him. And he essentially predicted the future and kind of, they they think there was some hypnosis or hypnosis involved um, that he had either studied or knew of that he was able to kind of get him to calm down. And they listened to him and it actually started helping. They didn't let the doctors near him. um, And he, he was able to be, cured 
not fully cured by any of our standards, but he was doing what much better. So his mother, Alexandra, was like, oh, he's a miracle man. We have to keep him around. He's the only thing that's curing our son. I've just so, got to sleep with him. Yeah. You know, actually. <laughs> well, he's we'll hypnotizing me to do it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so they, they really fully supported him. They were like, he's curing our son, which at the time, Alexei was the only male heir for the Romanov throne. So keeping him healthy, keeping him alive was a huge priority. So yeah, so there's, there's kind of their introduction with Rasputin. Now, the other thing that they think he was able to do, the way he was able to kind of cement himself into the Romanov um, inner circle was... They think he had an ability to read their inner hopes and tell them what they wanted to hear. Um, so he encouraged Nicholas to have more confidence in his role as a Tsar, even going so far later on to give him political advice, even though he had zero, zero political abilities. And it was, it, yeah, it, it ended up very, very bad. So he was um, an empath too. Yeah, yeah. And, and because of that, he was able to, you know, soothe Alexandra, kind of calm her anxieties, which they do think yeah. because Alexandra was calmer, that actually helped. She almost like willed her son to be better by staying more positive and calm around him. So the they do think that that was part effect. of it too. Yeah, actually. Yeah, that's, that's a big part of it. Anxiety, you know, does not help. Yeah, health. So. Yeah, yep. Now, during this time when he's being introduced, you know, he, with the royal family, maintained the posture of a humble and holy peasant. But outside of court, he immediately fell into his old bad habits. Uh, he actually preached that physical contact with his own person had a purifying effect. And so he acquired a, a crap ton of mistresses and just kept trying to seduce women under this whole idea that he was purifying and, and healing. Um, so wait, I'm not supposed to do it that way. <laughs> yep. He, um, he really got around. We'll put it that way. And when those accounts of him behaving this way reached the ears of the Tsar, he was like, Oh no, he's a holy man. He's never done anything out of, you know, proper taste with us. So that guy's a virgin. Yeah. And, you know, they tried to protect him because they only knew this side of him. And actually, anybody who accused him found themselves transferred to remote regions or entirely removed from whatever position they were in. Nice. So, yeah, he had some really, really strong support from the royal family. Sounds like he was like a demon or something. Yeah. Well, and because he was rising his way through the social ladder, you know, that. That's actually Wait, one that, of the that that's male, one of the theories. Is that a male succubus? Yeah, I didn't know those were. Things. I thought it was a band. That <laughs> <laughs> <Me> too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because of his like quick rise through here, people immediately thought that he was wielding some kind of dark, sinister magic over the royal family. Now, to make this even stronger, in 1908, he was actually brought to the palace um, during one of Alexei's bleeding episodes. And, uh, and even before this, so the Russian people were already unhappy at this point. Um, they, it was already not going great. Alexandra was actually a German princess. And this was right before World War One, and things got real bad. So people were already super hostile towards her, really suspicious. And because her son, the only heir to the throne, had this uh, disease, 
they considered it all her fault. And they were like, she's trying to sabotage us. Um, She's the reason everything horrible is happening. And so she had really bad mental and emotional distress already, which is also why she could have been so susceptible to Rasputin when he ended up coming there. But anyways, back to it. So 1908, he gets called and they, so a couple of people, they actually have records of them as they observed Rasputin healing Alexei. And they agree that he basically, for Alexandra, was just transferring confidence to her, uh, you know, giving her that calm demeanor that she needed to kind of get through it. And then in turn, passing that on to her son. But they also thought that he might have been using folk medicine. So when he told the doctors not to touch him and took out that aspirin, started using folk medicine before, which actually could have been used to treat internal bleeding in horses. So they think that he learned some of that from farming. So was he stealing horses to work on them? Oh. Makes sense. I don't know. But people steal cars to work on them. Yeah. Oh, my. He was the origin of equine sciences. He could have been. He could have been. Don't you be throwing these big words around like you know what they mean. (laughs) Yeah, there's no porcupines involved. So he he was there. He was using supposedly (laughs) these mystical powers. But all in all, it was probably he was just super calm, was able to get everybody to calm down, got the doctors to stop giving him blood thinners and instead gave him folk medicine that actually helped his internal bleeding. So he, he was able to do all of this and, you know, he, he didn't say anything to the contrary. Like, Oh no, I just use this instead. He totally let people believe he had mystic powers. Oh yeah. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to not get Randy Jackson's signature. Well, and one of, one of the big ways that he did this, you know, kind of kept this whole mystique about himself is when he left the palace that, that day after healing Alexei, he warned the parents of a prophecy that both the destiny for uh, Alexei and the dynasty were linked to Rasputin. Okay. So if something ever happened to Rasputin and something bad happened, then not only would Alexei die, but the entire dynasty would crumble. That's dramatic. Which, honestly, it came true. So it's dramatic in an essence, but it could also have been linked to the horrible standards and, and things that were happening in Russia at the time. I thought dinosaurs came and took it over. They were involved, just not the main. It's <laughs> not directly. Right. Oh, so, that's a different Russia. Sorry. <laughs> so at the this other point, Russia. <laughs> at this point, um, Nicholas and Alexandra have found this guy who's actually healing their son. His son is not suffering as much, but has also told them that, hey, if anything happens to me, your son and your kingdom are going to die. So they really don't want anything to happen to him at this point. They give him even more power. Does, does that count as a red flag? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Signs your holy man is in actually a controlling <laughs> toxic abuser. Yeah, they gave him a lot of power and immediately... Um, Alexandra enlisted him as a close advisor. Um, So he was super indispensable to the family and he knew it. So he actually exploited his positions, you know, big shocker, and tried to get even more control over the family. He just sounds like an abusive boyfriend. (laughs) Yeah. But with all of Russia. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> well, and the thing was, he kept, Alexi kept having these big medical emergencies, and every time Rasputin was able to fix it. Um, I just, I just picture like, somebody running out like, we've got a bleeder. It sounds like the random cartoons or stuff where, like, he's probably causing it and then making sure that he's there. <gasps> yes. So that they're no. always like, he's saving the day. Oh my God. He's that, he's that hero he firefighter out. starting the own, his own fires to yeah. then put him yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing Breaks is, though, the he poor boy's knees. It, if he was to even just bump something or get a paper cut, he could die from that. Yeah. So I don't think he was like beating him on the side and then being like, oh, I can fix this. Cause it's really hard to, to fix hemophilia. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know if he was necessarily doing anything, but he he did whatever what he did he to like, stop it. Help. What if it, what if it was something as easy as just getting poison. him really anxious, and then calming him down? I was thinking more like poison, and then getting him like <laughs> poison. He's trying to kill him, and they walk in the room, and he's like, "Oh, I got the poison." <laughs> it can happen. But regardless, this point, mm-hmm. he was actually doing really well as a healer. Uh, but the Russian people hated him. The Russian nobility hated him. The only people that really liked him were his mistresses and the Romanov family. Naturally. And during this time, there was a lot of propaganda. Like I said, it was a really, really rough time in Russia anyways. Um, But the press... So the Tsar at the time gave the press the power to print whatever they wanted so they printed whatever rumors they came up with. And at one point, they actually published that Rasputin was uh, Alexandra's lover um, and that he was bewitching them with some form of dark magic. Oh, he was spilling so, Yeah, that dick. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Aggressive. But <laughs> given his behavior out in public, I mean, he wasn't doing himself any favors. Um, he was real licentious. He had no problem getting with whoever he wanted to. And he just flouted that in front of everybody. He was, or flaunted that. Sorry, I don't know what I said. Flaunted. Flounders. But um, he flaunted that in front of everybody. The so fish. he had no real following as far as the uh, previous people in power. Now, at this point, he was giving, like I said, some political advice to Nicholas II. Um, he was also giving some domestic advice to Alexandra on how to, you know, make things better. And at this point, I mean, the people did not like her. Already she was a German princess. Things were getting real bad with Germany. They thought that she was the reason that the heir to the throne was dying. Um, so it was it was real bad. And he decided, you know what, this is a good time to give more advice. Just, so it, it just sounds like somebody, <laughs> he was like, I'm not going to say no to anything. He went to work one day as just like a normal dude. And somebody was like, hey, do you know how to heal somebody? And he's like, yeah. I can do that. <laughs> the next day somebody was like, hey, do you know how to fix a car? He's like, yeah. You know? Where they got a yes man from. We, we all knew uh, cars were horses back then. <laughs> well, and people thought that he had such a power over the Romanovs and the family that people would actually mail requests to him to Rasputin, Tsar's Palace, St. Saint, Saint Petersburg. They would actually mail things to him at the palace because they believed he held such high power with, with the, right. the royal family. Now, at the time, with the war going on, uh, there was a bunch. I mean, you've seen movies and, and heard about it and all this stuff, too. There's a lot of 
fantastical tales <laughs> that say, you know, what was happening as far as espionage and spy and all that kind of stuff as the war, you know, progressed. Uh-huh. But some people thought that he was actually cohorting with the the German M. The German enemies, Um, and they thought that he was trying to start a cholera epidemic in St. Petersburg with poisoned apples imported from Canada. Oh, Um, did I naturally? (laughs) That was one of the stories. And again, like I said, people just thought he was ridiculous. So rumors spread, just trying to taint his name in any way possible. (laughs) Taint. (laughs) And they were trying to get him removed from his position by any means necessary. So, you know, saying that he poisoned apples and tried to give cholera to all of St. Petersburg. Do you think you know, that's how that Snow White came about? I think that was a little before. So it may, I mean, it may have had something to do with it. Malevolent. But. The bad guy in it. It's a lady. Lady, bad, <laughs> bad lady, sorry. Somebody poisoned the apple cores. <laughs> they originally did it as Rasputin, and they're like, we should change this. Yeah, Snow White just rolls off a little bit. Now, at this point, like I said, the, the whole proximity of people in St. Petersburg did not like him. They really were trying to get him kicked out. And in 1911, it had become such a scandal that the prime minister of the time sent the Tsar a report saying, this is everything that he's done. You need to do something about it. So Alexander did expel him. He tattled on him? He did. They they tattled on him. I I thought we were friends. Well... (laughs) Alexander didn't like this, and he was returned to St. Petersburg in a matter of months. Um, So Nicholas didn't want to upset his wife or put his son in danger, you know, thinking that Rasputin was their only chance of keeping Alexei alive. And they're like, you know what? Going forward, we're ignoring everything else that you say he's doing. Um, So he tried one time to expel him, didn't work out, brought him back, and it just made things way worse. So he became the symbol of everything negative in Russia at the time, politically, in society. Um, there were attempts prior to his final assassination on his life. And in one of Ooh. them, in, in June of 1914, a beggar woman actually stabbed him in the stomach, <laughs> claiming that he was seducing the innocent. Mm. Uh, he made a full recovery, but it did take him a while to, <laughs> to get back there. But he... he he did get some uh, attempts on his life in, See, in the following years. He couldn't use his magic to protect him if it was a surprise attack. <laughs> surprise! Now, after Russia entered World War One, Rasputin had another prediction uh, that he told the royal family. He predicted that calamity would fall on the country, and it did. So he, he pretty much was just like, think bad things are going to happen. And then when they did, they were like, oh my gosh, he knows everything. And wait, and, we're saying he didn't have magic powers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, Nicholas II took command of the Russian army. Um, Alexander kind of took over everything happening at home. And when all this happened, because Alexandra was left in charge, but Rasputin was her closest advisor, he essentially stepped into the role of running the country because he was her advisor. Um, so as soon as that happened, he started appointing <laughs> advisor officials. Advisor in But he appointed his own church ministers and public officials, kind of putting the people that he did get along with in power, which, as we've seen, is a really, really bad call. It's a running theme of uh, rulers. Yeah, yep. Um, and anybody who is suspicious of him, 
um, immediately got dismissed. Um, government officials tried to warn Alexandra of everything, but she just defended him. She said, he's my closest advisor. He's saving my son. I don't want to listen to you. Um, and the Russian people, like I said, were, were really not having it. They're like, everything bad that's happening, everything that's happening with the war, everything that's happening in society, our you know lack of food and resources, it's all his fault. Because um, he, he didn't have any idea how to run a country, and all the advice that he gave, the Romanovs followed, even if it ended in disaster. Yep. So it wasn't like he, he did one wrong thing, and they're like, oh, maybe we should think about it. He did one thing, and they're like, oh, no, it's fine. And then they let him make another decision. So it it was real bad. It was real bad. At the time that he had been giving the um, Tsarina Alexandra advice, there were other royal family members, um, like nephews by marriage and cousins and uncles, um, who were really focused in on what Rasputin was doing to Alexandra's state of mind. Uh, they came to the conclusion that only his death would end his control of the Romanov family. And by doing that, it would restore the legitimacy of the actual monarchy, which was being destroyed by Rasputin's actions. So they're like, you know, we're, we're a laughingstock now. Nobody takes the monarchy seriously. It's all Rasputin's fault. We need to kill him. <laughs> Nobody likes us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, they decided to do that. One of the main people who did it was Felix Yusupov. Um, he was a nephew by marriage, married to the Tsar's niece. And he, <laughs> in and of himself, he was a pretty worthless human being. Um, <laughs> he lived a life of privilege. One of um, the Tsar's daughters, Olga, was a nurse during the war. She was actually helping in, in the efforts. And she said that Yusupov refused to enlist, um, stating that he was going to dress down and look like a commoner so he didn't have to enlist in the army. Nice. So he's a he's a real great guy. Yeah, yeah sounds like really, it. really stepping up to the to the table there. Sounds like you'd want him to date your daughter. Yeah, and, and basically if he was the one to murder Rasputin, it would give him a chance to reinvent himself as this patriot man of action, um, you know, protecting the throne kind of guy. And a few of his other co-conspirators believed the same thing, but they were really just trying to get the monarchy back. The people were rising. They were demanding things. Um, the monarchy was failing. So they are like, no, we have to gain control. So good stuff happening there. Now, Rasputin, this is kind of the, the crazy part about his death. They've done a lot of research into the archives and kind of separated more of the oral history from the actual, like, death certificate and autopsy and those kind of things. But the uh, general gist of it is Rasputin was poisoned multiple Ooh, times in one evening. <coughs> he was shot and then he was wrapped up supposedly alive and dropped in a frozen river. <laughs> that would suck. What? Wait, so, oh, How did they drop him in the river if the river was frozen? Well, they cut hole. Like ice fishing. You just oh, okay. make a little hole yeah. for him to fit through. So, so that's <laughs> ice fishing. <laughs> like, here goes the body. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so I'm going to give you some more detail on that. But um, around December 29th or the 30th, um, either late evening of the 29th and then early morning of the 30th. New Year, new me. <laughs> Um, Felix Yusupov, uh, the nephew-in-law, 
had invited him over to his uh, palace, Moika Palace in St. Petersburg. And he was like, let's, you know, just have some dinner. Let's talk things through. Let's figure out what's going on. Yeah. At the time, this was a fully fledged assassination attempt. They had everything planned. So they gave him wine. Um, They gave him a bunch of wine, trying to, you know, get him just to drink as much as possible. And there was supposedly a... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's kind of like Emperor's New Groove. (laughs) (laughs) They wait for him to die. (laughs) My spinach puffs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they keep giving him wine. Um, They also give him supposedly cakes laced with cyanide. And he was getting drunk, but the poison had no effect. They were super confused. They're like, why isn't this working? He's been eating and... poison his whole life. <laughs> he may have, though. You I, know, it, it could I have been something. grew up on this shit. Uh, but at the time, too, or no, I keep saying at the time, but supposedly they had a doctor who actually measured out each dose of poison to give him and it was enough to kill several men but again a lot of this is hearsay but how so, many horses cake <laughs> horse you got? i was gonna say but how many rasputins yeah so he kept eating kept drinking got real drunk and they're like this isn't working and they were like okay well we're gonna need to figure out something else so this is the the weird part so felix uh the nephew-in-law did release either a a book or a document later on giving a full detailed account of how he killed him. So there's a lot of quotes and it's really dramatic. If you ever want to read it, it's super dramatic. You have Tori and me here. We can do voices. (laughs) Um, But he gives this full dialogue. No, that's okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) He gives a full dialogue of the evening and, and what he said to Rasputin and what he responded with. But essentially they get to the point where he's like, okay, he's not dying. So he pulls out a gun and shoots Rasputin Finally. in the chest. <laughs> so, We've been trying to kill you every way possible. <laughs> we're just going to shoot you now. I'm trying to be nice about yeah, it before. And it may have happened in a church and they made some weird comment about you should look at the crucifix and pray. Like I said, it was super dramatic and I feel like it's all, for the most part, lies, making himself look good. But they did shoot him in the chest and thought he had died. He was laying on the floor, big puddle of blood, bleeding out. Well, they also had in their master plan to have somebody dress up as Rasputin and leave and go to his home so that way it looked like he actually left, like he didn't die there. There weren't security cameras. How would they find <laughs> out? Spies. Yeah, oh. and, and that's kind of the thing. is they, they just wanted to make it seem like, oh, he was here, he got drunk, and then he went home. There's not a whole lot of vindication for this. There's not a whole lot of people who can verify this happened. Um, this is just one of the things that they Yusupov said did did happen, but you know, who knows? Well, at this point, they leave for a while. He's laying there bleeding out dead, supposedly on the floor. Well, when they came back, when Yusupov came back to check on him, because he's like, you know, we probably should go ahead and clean up and, and remove his body, they found him struggling to breathe he actually you know appeared to recover uh, and they say that he became very energetic and actually tried to attack yusupov when he attacked yusupov he you know put him down on the floor and he was able to rasputin was able to get away yeah it's it's said when lead and cyanide are formed together <laughs> it unleashes adrenaline into your body or he really is jesus you know Either or. Yeah, you know. I mean, at this point, Dakota, it sounds like... Is that true, or are you just BSing? I don't know, dude. No, that okay. was BS. 
don't know. Yeah, my, like, I was like, oh, really? Yeah, I want to try. <laughs> I'm going to go try this. I need some adrenaline. <laughs> so while Yusupov was struggling with the very poisoned, drunk shot bled out Rasputin. He was, Rasputin was able to get up the stairs. So he started, Yusupov started yelling to all his other co-conspirators, hey, he's alive, come help me. Well, <laughs> as he reached, and this all happened in the basement. So Comedy as Rasputin- of errors. Yeah. <laughs> in the church? No, there was, I think there was like a little, like just little shrine mm. set up that how, they were talking about. How big was Rasputin, like size wise? I actually don't know. I don't know. I don't. I think too it was big. pretty average. Too big. Like Maybe even on the four. smaller side. He sounds like a damn. I feel like there's a lot of Russian ladies that would disagree with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, as he gets to the top of the stairs and tries to run out, they grab the gun again and fire three more shots, chasing him out into the courtyard. Um, so they think that they had shot him in the heart. He had been dying of poison. He was raised from the dead uh, by his powers of evil. Um, that's a direct quote from his letter, if that tells you how dramatic he was. But as he was running out into the courtyard, they were like, oh God, if he gets away, he's going to tell Alexandra what happened and she's going to have us killed. So they chase him, they shoot him down. And one of the shots supposedly struck him in the head and he finally collapsed. So they have servants wrap up his body in heavy carpets. <laughs> oh, we, we just needed to hit him in the head. Oh, that would have been way easier. Um, at this point, they're like, okay, we can't just let him lie here again. So they have the servants wrap his bodies in some carpets, tie him up with heavy chains. And then they take him to a bridge over the Neva River and dump him into an unfrozen patch. They think... There's a few conspiracies on this, but he either died of hypothermia in the water, which is kind of not really believed by anybody. He drowned, <laughs> which is the not. the kind of the runner up theory is that he actually was found with water in his lungs. But the the most believed theory is that the shot to his head actually killed him. Um, and they so, think that he wasn't breathing when he went into the water. I don't do you want to know the actual theory? <laughs> is that... We've all seen David Blaine break out of the chains in water. Rasputin was the first one that did this. Not only did he break out, he went and found the other fake Rasputin, did all the same shit to him, put his body there, and the real Rasputin lived on. Yeah, he's probably still alive. Oh, shit. I mean, the the police did find his body two days later uh, downriver. Fake Rasputin's body (laughs) downriver. Yeah, they didn't have dental records. Go on. Yeah. Did they? Did, was there any? Was there anything else about this fake Rasputin that dressed up? We never heard from him again. <laughs> uh, now, when they found it, it was downstream from the bridge. There was an autopsy done, uh, which the original report was lost, but they do have the the coroner on record stating that his body showed signs of severe trauma, the three gunshot wounds, one at close range to the forehead. Um, he actually had a slice wound to his left side and then a a whole variety of other um, injuries which they did feel had happened post-mortem so they were like after his death Um, now they weren't able to trace any poison in his system granted it had been two days since his body had been dumped in the water Ethan you say you say pussies but at that point it's like they'd already kind of killed him three other times so that (laughs) after the last time they're probably like Nah, hit him a couple more times to make sure he's dead. (laughs) Was he a zombie? (laughs) Now, like I said, the coroner did not find any water in his lungs. 
Um, so the reports that he'd been thrown into the water alive were nothing but hearsay. Um, some accounts claimed that his penis had been severed, um, but the coroner did find his genitals intact. So Aww. he did he did have his. And Alexandria was relieved exactly. to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, now, he was buried pretty immediately on January uh, 2nd, so just three days after he was murdered um, at a church. And the funeral. To celebrate the new year? Yeah, this is how they celebrated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Make it. Um, but the funeral was only attended by the Imperial family and a few of their close, um, intimate friends. His wife, <laughs> mistresses, and children were not invited. So remember, during all of this, he still has a wife who fully supports him, children, all this. A, um, a wife and three out of seven kids that live. Yeah. <laughs> when you're but, the greatest love machine, you keep them around. Yeah, yeah. But they were not permitted to attend his funeral. Um, his daughters later on were able to meet with the Imperial family um at later that day they probably um, they probably thought it was wise to not have his wife there with all the mistresses pro- well i mean she supported him she she supported his there was, love machine there making. was actually a quote i wish i had written it down but it was something about um he he knows what's enough for him or, or something like that so <laughs> she basically was like yeah he needs this it's fine okay so they were an old-timey open relationship yeah yeah sure. now i will say <laughs> after his death some of his prophecies did come through or come true. A lot of people used his death as another way to show how horrible the monarchy was. And because he was dead, they were like, Oh, you know, if he was mystical, if he had this black magic, he's no longer around to protect the family. So there was a huge uprising um, in Russia and the whole Romanov family was executed in 1917 um, and when the sorry, and before I should say this, before they were all executed, they were um, forced to abdicate the throne, and they were imprisoned for a time. So this wasn't immediately after his death, but it was you know a few short years after. But in March of 1917, his body was exhumed and burned by soldiers, so his grave couldn't become a rallying point for supporters of the monarchy, or to make sure he couldn't come back to life. Zombie. You know that that too. Um, so yeah and the Romanovs signed that contract they knew what would happen if they lost their (laughs) wizard yeah I I will say some of the peasantry so because he came from you know being a peasant and worked his way up there um, some of the peasants did see him as one of their own and they saw this murderer they saw this murder as an example of nobility controlling the czar. Um, so when they were saying basically when a peasant rose to that power, he was murdered because other people were unhappy with it. So they some people supported him after his murder. We but won't, We won't talk about the things he did when he was there, but he got murdered for it. Yeah, and that's honestly what they used as kind of a rallying point. Yeah. They're like, oh, wow. So as soon as somebody breaks the chains of this, you know, system that was running in russia and tries to to elevate themselves they're murdered by the people with money yeah so that's that's kind of a big piece in this wait that you're talking about back then not today and to the dismay of yusupov or yusupov um, and all his co-conspirators the people who actually murdered him it didn't lead to any kind of radical changes um it did exactly the opposite and his, his death was the symbol of corruption uh, at the heart of the imperial court. Um, so it was just, 
kind of the catalyst they needed to really destroy the monarchy and take over as people. So that was that was really great. And there was one Hero quote on of here. The people. Um, some people were saying that without Rasputin, there would have been no Lenin. So there was a lot that kind of teetered Don't on I? him. I was just going to say that. No. <laughs> I was just like, wait, without him, we wouldn't have got John Lennon? No. John um, Lennon. <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah, March of 1917, um, Tsar Nicholas II abdicated the throne when the revolution happened in February. The following year, they did murder the whole the family. Yeah, that's where the Bolsheviks, um, those were the people who rose up. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a bunch of Bolshevik. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's kind of his biggest, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the nice way to say this. His, his biggest part in this whole thing was he was the catalyst to the end of the Russian monarchy. His impact. His impact. Yeah, that's a, that's a real nice way to say it. So even though he was gone, um, you know, his prophecies were still unfolding, uh, he did predict right before his death that if he was killed by government officials, the entire imperial family would be killed by the Russian people. So that 100% came true 15 months later. They were all murdered during the uh, Russian Revolution. And uh, yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of his whole death and the impact. Now, there were a few other conspiracies that populated near the end of it, kind of over the years. His daughter, so his daughter Maria, which I believe was his oldest daughter. From the farm? Yeah, from the farm. Yeah, so one of his actual marriage-fueled children, not one of his mistress's children. A legitimate Yes, not a bastard. A marriage-fueled child. (laughs) (laughs) She actually later became a circus lion tamer. Um, and she moved to America I called um, it. during the revolution. As, she as fled. As soon as you talked about her earlier, I said circus <laughs> lion tamer. I knew it. She wrote a book in 1929 that said Yusupov couldn't have tried to poison her father that way because her dad didn't like sweets. He would never eaten a, uh, eaten a platter of cakes and been poisoned. And the autopsy port- reports actually supported her saying that no poison or drowning or any of that was in um, his actual autopsy report. It was just the the bullet wound to the head at close range. So they think that Yusupov just made the murder into this epic struggle of good versus evil to sell books and make himself look better to people. Mm-hmm. So, so that's probably the most believed theory today is that, yeah, they, they ended up just shooting him and then they made up a bunch of other stuff because of the, the revolution that was happening at the time. No, it was beauty. That killed <laughs> it was beauty. Killed the beast. And then I will say there is one more theory that according to legend, and this is all kind of, it is more myth and legend for this, but even though he was poisoned, shot, and thrown into the water, supposedly he was fished out by a group of passerbys Ew. who found he was still alive, and they dragged his body to the shore. And then they did say that um, they ended up finishing him off and throwing him back in the Ew. river. Um, so <laughs> you said <laughs> that. Finish him off, you know? Um, yeah, so uh, when, they, when they pulled him out, but... They never found water in his lungs. He never drowned. Um, he was killed by the bullet hole. 
um, to the brain. <laughs> now, one of the other kind of more fun ones is some people suggested that agents of the British Secret Service were involved in his assassination. Um, they think that they were trying to prevent Rasputin from urging the, the Tsar to make a peace with Germany, um, which would allow Germany to concentrate its efforts on the Western Front. But most people don't think that's actually true. Um, they think it's impossible for them to have been involved in this. And there's no proof of it. So, yeah. It's because James Bond doesn't leave. <laughs> I was just going to say that's what they want you to think. <laughs> so, was it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's all I got for Rasputin. Okay, so for the sake of our death address in his death, would you say he had a smile on his face, going ballistic, trying to fight back on these people? I mean, I feel like he... With how crazy he was? He, yeah, mad he was like, yeah. He was like yeah. mad, yeah, like mad grin. Like you think you yeah. can kill Rasputin? <laughs> Probably because of how crazy he was throughout his entire life. I yeah. feel like he believed he could. Right? I think so too. Right. Yeah, like the I mean, with, sure, with all sheer the, will, with his his sheer positivity for not dying <laughs> yeah. kept him alive. I mean, you know, power of positive thinking. That's true. <laughs> yeah. like, you just got shot in the head. He's like. No, I didn't get shot in the head. They're like, it's working. The bullet's just slowly oozing it back out of his head. Like, the whole time he's just like smiling like, eh. I mean, I do think he was very charismatic. I think that he maybe learned a lot of folk remedies and maybe even some hypnosis. I think that that might be true. So the, but, the other question we always do, I guess, yeah. at this point is, what is the moral of, of Rasputin's story for you or for anybody else that's here but with bitches us? get money! <laughs> yeah, for, for me, the moral of the story is if you're having trouble with the ladies, just say you've got that divine D and, you know, yeah, it just seems exactly. to work for cults all around the world. I was going to say, it's very culty. That's yeah. kind of my biggest vibe I got from this was yeah. you just need one really influential person who holds right. a lot of power over people and to, to really wife. fuck things up. Yeah, his wife was yeah. super supportive. But again, is that you is know? that your answer? Was fuck money, get bitches. Yep. Or fuck bitches, get money. There fuck you. money, get bitches. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you sorry. got one or the other, you're good. <laughs> what was yours, Andy? God, I don't even know. It just reminds me of people I've like cults Dude, I've joined. Like, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, we went through a couple weird years. I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the only one I've been in was the dinosaur hunters. Okay. Um. No, mine was the same. Like, the only thing I can think of is just, like, man, history repeats itself, like, mm -hmm. so much. Like, the saying is reasonable. Yeah. And I think like, he was a scapegoat for a lot of, mm -hmm. of the yeah. problems that were happening. He just happened to come in at a time when things <laughs> like, were real bad. Another part episode. of history that repeats itself yeah, over like, and over again. Yeah, this episode only for the death address that we've been doing. It's like, there's already so many of, mm -hmm. like similar things that we're seeing and just like man it's crazy yeah. we're, we're stupid stop doing the same thing guys be original <laughs> come on smarter I with your research because people don't want to get learned <laughs> don't uh, next time i promise i won't pick somebody tied to monarchy <laughs> okay cool well tori not to put you on the spot but since it's the first time joining us you got any last last words for the peeps don't gossip because clearly... What? Oh, for this... I was just saying in general. I was oh, like, you general. know people are gossiping? Mm -hmm. But man, that's all <laughs> they did. They just like threw tea out everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I like the part where it was like, 
They're like, they just decided that you could publish whatever the fuck you really? want. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Social media, here we go. Yeah. Like the exact <laughs> opposite of Russia now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, all right, cool. Well, yeah, I think that was uh, another good episode. So thanks, everybody, for for joining in with us. And we'll chat again soon in a week or two. Do you have a Russian goodbye? Goodbye. Don't Don't forget to keep your death guide. Don't Don't forget to address your death shifting. (laughs) Tori, where's yours? Um, Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to The Death Address. Follow our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for exclusive information on what's to come and to ask us questions. Take a look at our website at www.deathshifter.com. You can find all of the links there as well as some information about the Death Shifter team. If you're interested in supporting the show, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash deathshifter. We'll see you all next time. Till then, take care of yourselves and don't forget to tip your death guides. Time to learn, time to laugh, it's the death